Margaret Wilson sat in the Chesterfield armchair nursing a crystal tumbler filled with expensive gin and a few cubes of ice, while the radio, or wireless as she still called it, filled the room with the sound of Beethoven. The music, alongside the popping and crackling of logs on the fire, almost drowned out the gut-wrenching sounds coming from beyond the window. Almost. Margaret was thankful for the heavy floor-to-ceiling curtains, prevented her from seeing outside, as well as stopping the monster from being able to see in. But she had no doubt that they were both fully aware of one another's existence. A ritual had been formed each time the sun went down. Margaret would bolt all doors and windows before closing the curtains around the country cottage. She would light a fire, more for comfort than for warmth, turn on the radio, and pour a stiff drink to keep her nerves at bay. Gin and tonic had not had the required effect for long, and Margaret now found herself taking the gin straight. If Margaret had said that she wasn't afraid, then she would have been lying. But she was also stubborn. At 92 years old, she had no intention of leaving her home. The cottage in which she had been born. The scratching at the window was almost imperceptible to begin with, but soon built to a crescendo, as it happened every evening for the past three weeks. A furious scraping sound soon filled the room and Margaret tried to focus her gin-addled mind on the music. Previously, the scratching at the windows would build up before it seemed as though the creature had given up and skulked back into the woods. Tonight was different. Margaret set her jaw, willing the sound to stop, the glass in her hand trembling from both fear and old age. A few moments passed which felt like hours before there was silence. A silence she had expected, signaling the creature's retreat. Content that she had been left alone, Margaret stood on unsteady feet and took a step towards the radio to turn it off, intent on heading to bed. She let out a scream as the sound of shattering glass filled the now silent room. The curtains blew inward, flapping noisily, and Margaret turned to run. She reached the bottom of the staircase before chancing a look behind her, which she regretted immediately. Two huge arms had reached in through the window, seemingly oblivious to the shards of glass still jutting from the wooden frame. Margaret stood frozen in fear as the beast pulled its looming form into her living room. It raised itself up on hind legs, mouth salivating as it gazed upon its prey. Fuck you! Margaret muttered, accepting the futility of her situation as the beast's teeth sank into her shoulder. For the last ten years, Jonathan had been desperate to move again. He'd thought that exchanging city life for a small town would reduce his stress levels, provide a slower pace of life, and he'd been right, up to a point. But it wasn't slow enough. Or, rather, there were still too many people about. 
All he really wanted in life was a nice home, nothing huge for himself and his wife. To start a family in. Just the two of them. Somewhere remote. It had been difficult to accept that this idyllic life was beyond their means, with housing deep in the English countryside being just as expensive as in the cities. Jonathan and Marie saved as best they could, but both, if they'd been completely honest, felt as though their dream life was just a fantasy. Marie was desperate for a child, but Jonathan kept telling her to wait until they had a home in the country, insisting it would be a far better environment in which to raise a family. Marie began to wonder if Jonathan even wanted children. What if they never managed to move? What if she got too old to have children? At 35, she still had time, but not if it meant waiting another decade. Then it came. Marie called it a miracle, and even Jonathan had to agree that it was a most fortuitous turn of events. If they had seen the listing any later, then someone else would have snapped it up, but Marie was making the call before Jonathan had even finished reading the details. Rosebud Cottage Situated in the heart of the Sussex Downs, requires a live-in caretaker. The two-bedroom property comes with a large garden and ample parking for three cars. The interior is dated but well-kept, with all the necessities as well as an open fire. The owners of Rosebud Cottage are looking for someone to maintain the property, in exchange for free accommodation. Ideally, this would suit a retired gentleman but the owners are open to suggestions. Please note that this is an unpaid position, but you would have no rent due. The cottage is in a very remote location, so a car is essential. Marie had wandered off while on the phone, but Jonathan could still make out the excitement in her voice. He sat patiently, waiting for her to fill him in on the details, certain that she would have made a decision for the both of them already. Well, he said, watching as she struggled to contain her excitement. The owners want to meet us, Marie squealed. They said that because I was the first to call, they would meet up with us. So nothing is definite yet? Jonathan asked, immediately feeling as though he was destroying Marie's hopes. Her face hardened a little and she took a breath. Not definite, no, but it sounds good and I think they liked me. I told them that the opportunity suited us perfectly, with you working from home, me raising a baby. And they were okay with us having children at this place? Jonathan asked. The woman, Kathy, I think. She paused when I said we were planning a baby, but then she said it'd be fine. They'll go over all the details when we meet up tomorrow, so write down any questions you have for them. Marie grabbed a notepad and pen before ordering Jonathan to make a pot of tea. The couple approached the cottage after a 40-minute drive, 15 minutes of which was due to getting lost, and both looked around admiringly. It was quaint, and from the outside at least appeared just as it had been described. Rose bushes were lined up along three sides of the cottage. A large lawned area spread out from the front of the building, and the graveled area on which they had parked was indeed large enough for three cars, possibly even four. The owner, Kathy, greeted them at the front door and showed them inside. 
Jonathan and Marie could not have felt more different to one another as they stepped onto the dusty doormat. While she looked around and saw the potential of a new home and a new life, Jonathan just stared into the gloom, his senses tuning to the odor. What is that smell? He wondered, wrinkling his nose. Kathy led them through to the living room and directed them to take a seat on the Chesterfield settee while she positioned herself in the armchair. Before they could ask, she brought up the boarded window. We're not sure what happened, to be honest. It was shattered from the outside. Could have been kids. Out here? Jonathan wondered, doubting that rogue teenagers were this far out in the countryside. Kathy was full of smiles, but Jonathan saw something hiding beyond that. A look in her eyes, which could have been a mixture of fear and guilt, of a secret she was keeping from them. So, Marie tells me you're planning to try for a baby soon, Kathy asked, her eyes meeting Jonathan's. That's right, he replied, not offering any more information. Okay, Kathy continued. Let me tell you a bit about the place and what we're looking for. Rosebud Cottage has been in my family for a very long time, and was my grandmother's home until she recently passed away. Jonathan noticed Kathy looked to her left, glancing towards the bottom of the stairs at what appeared to be a new rug. Perhaps the old lady had taken a fall, he wondered. Anyway, this place is too remote for my liking and would be a nightmare for commuting. No one in the family wants to see it sold off, so it'll probably be rented out at some point. For now, we're just after someone who can enjoy the location and take care of the place. Why not rent it out now, for the income? Jonathan asked. I mean, it could do with a spruce up, but it's certainly habitable. Kathy looked away again, and this time Jonathan had no doubt she was hiding something. No one wants to take on the responsibility at the moment. I have two brothers who work in London. My parents moved to Canada years ago, and I barely have any time to do things I enjoy as it is. The place isn't costing us anything, so really, you'd be doing us all a favor. She explained. You work from home, I understand. He runs an online store, Marie said. It works well, and he can do it all from here, aside from trips to the post office once a week. She turned to Jonathan before adding, Maybe you can get the food shopping on a Monday, too. Then we wouldn't have to travel much. The couple spent an hour at the property, being guided from room to room. No one denied that it needed cleaning, and most of the furniture was outdated. But it had charm. Once they had seen everything the cottage had to offer inside, they took a quick tour of the grounds. The rear of the building was unremarkable, but there was something about the lawn that bugged Jonathan. Did your grandma drive? He asked, studying the grass ahead of them. No, she gave that up years ago. She was in her 90s. It wouldn't have been safe to have her on the roads. Kathy said with a chuckle. Those marks... Jonathan said, pointing a few meters ahead of him. I just wonder what made them. He took a few steps closer, followed by Marie and Kathy. Stretching across the grass were a series of uneven grooves, leading from the tree line into the distance all the way to where they were standing. They could well have led all the way up to the cottage, but were unnoticeable in the graveled area. Hmm, dunno, Kathy replied. Could be anything. Her jolly persona was starting to slip, and she soon made her excuses to leave. 
Have a chat about it and let me know later today if you want to go ahead. I think you'd really like it here. No bloody Wi-Fi, Jonathan exclaimed on the way home. You do know that's essential for me to work, right? I'm sure we can get that sorted out, Marie replied, still grinning with excitement at the opportunity. Did you think there was anything weird about Kathy? Like she was hiding something? Jonathan asked, nervously, fearful that Marie would think he was making excuses not to move. Mm, not weird. Marie began, before pausing. She was a little off, but I put that down to recently losing her grandmother and being in the house she had died in. Did she tell you that her grandma had actually died in the house? She could have died in a care home or hospital. Marie seemed to think this over. No, I don't think she did. I must have assumed it was at the house. Not that it makes any difference. Depends on how she died. Jonathan replied. Kathy kept glancing at the new rug at the bottom of the stairs. I reckon that's where it happened, you know? He continued, letting his mind wander. Kathy never actually said how her grandma died. Jesus Christ! Marie exclaimed. She was in her 90s! I guess it was old age. Or she fell down the stairs and landed where that rug is. So what? If you don't want to move in, then just say so now. I don't see any reason not to. And don't say it's because someone died there. I'm sure someone has died in our house at some point in the last hundred years that it's been there. Jonathan had no response to this, so just grunted. Ugh. Accepting that he was not going to win this time around. Marie had called Kathy that evening to confirm they would take on the cottage. Jonathan struggled to hide his feelings of unease, but every issue he had raised, Marie brushed off as unimportant. The lack of Wi-Fi was the only point she agreed on, and was her only request when she spoke with Kathy. They were told that they could move in as soon as they liked, but decided to hold off for a fortnight to allow time to pack, change address with everyone who needed to know. This time also meant that Kathy could have the internet up and running, and a living room window could be replaced before they arrived. Marie trusted Kathy to do these things, but Jonathan wasn't convinced. Something about the whole situation felt off. Little did he know just how big of a mistake they were making. Kathy was true to her word and had installed a superfast broadband connection. The window had been repaired, and it appeared as though a cleaning crew had worked their way throughout the house, successfully removing the musty smell and freshening everything up. When they arrived on the first day, a removals van following closely behind them, Jonathan realized that he had now nothing to complain about, putting his worries aside. Worries that seemed to have no root in reality. He embraced the change of pace when he saw how truly happy Marie was. His mood was raised further by his wife's determination to become pregnant, and her demands for him to impregnate her all around the cottage. A month went by with the couple barely leaving the home, aside from any necessary trips to the post office and supermarket on a Monday. The rest of their time was spent either working at the table out on the lawn or making love. On some of the warmer days, they even tried for a baby in the garden, enjoying the privacy of being so far from any other people. It was on one of these warm evenings, as Marie and Jonathan fooled around on a picnic blanket on the grass that they first encountered it.
Did you hear something? Marie asked over the sound of Jonathan's heavy breathing. He was too far into the moment to register what she had asked and continued with the task at hand. There it is again, Marie said, this time attempting to wriggle out from beneath her husband. What? Jonathan asked, looking around. There's no one here. I heard something. Like someone had stood on a twig and snapped it. Marie's eyes darted across the tree line at the end of the lawn. I think someone's watching us. Don't be silly, Jonathan replied. He briefly thought back to Kathy's suggestion that kids had broken the living room window, but decided not to mention it. Would you rather we take this inside? Yes, please. Marie answered. I don't like the idea of some pervert watching us. Jonathan shrugged, as though he didn't really care either way. Pulling on enough clothing to conceal themselves, the couple lifted the blanket from the ground and turned to head indoors. I heard it that time, Jonathan said, scanning the trees for any signs of an intruder. His face showed no fear, but there was a definite hint of anger. You go inside. I'll, I'll go have a look. If it's a group of kids, I'll send them packing. Jonathan flicked on the flashlight app on his mobile phone as Marie wrapped the blanket around herself and waited at the front door, watching the light bounce across the grass in time with Jonathan's steps. Jonathan reached the trees, called out with a, Hello! No answer. Marie watched as he shone the light into the trees, pacing along the edge of the lawn. She could make out his silhouette as he turned back towards the house. She watched Jonathan shrug once more, hands out in front of him, as though he were telling her he'd found nothing. She watched as the area of grass behind him became darker, and something emerged from the trees. Jonathan must have heard it, or sensed it at least, because he turned at the same time that Marie screamed. No more than six feet from him, the beast stood on two hind legs, its black fur barely visible in the dark of night. Jonathan's eyes were drawn to the parts which he could see clearly, the eyes and the mouth. At six feet tall, Jonathan was not a short man, but he had to look up to meet the glare of this creature. Mouth open, spilling drool from around deadly-looking fangs. The creature took a swipe at Jonathan. He leapt back a step, narrowly missing being struck by the beast's clawed hands. Turning again towards the cottage, he ran. Marie stood screaming at the entrance to the house, petrified beyond words. She watched as this hideous thing had emerged from within the trees and loomed over her husband as it swiped at him with its claws. Marie registered that Jonathan was running towards her, that they needed to get into the house, but she could not move. The seconds felt like minutes as he approached her, and she watched helplessly as the beast gained on him. She watched him fall forward as though he'd been shoved from behind and fully expected the creature to kill him right there and then. So when the thing leapt over Jonathan and kept its course towards Marie, she was caught off guard. Acting on impulse, Marie darted inside and slammed the front door, clicking the lock into place. At the speed it had been moving, 
She had expected the creature to slam into the door, but there was nothing more than a spray of gravel as it came to a stop outside. An acceptance of their situation hit Marie and she began to act on autopilot, moving around the house to turn off lights, whilst simultaneously trying to find something to use as a weapon. The kitchen knife she held in her shaking hands would do her little good against the beast of that size, and she knew this. But it had to be better than nothing. Cautiously, she peered through the living room window, the one which had been recently replaced. Whatever that thing was, it was pacing about on the lawn, more interested in the cottage than in Jonathan. Marie watched her husband try to stand a few times, but could see that he was injured. All he could manage was a pitiful attempt at crawling, and he wasn't even going the right way. He should be coming to me, she thought, wondering if he was disoriented. Then it hit her. He's heading for the car. He's gonna leave. Marie watched Jonathan crawl across the lawn, wondering whether he would really desert her. He must expect me to join him, she thought, watching the creature continue to pace and trying to decide if she'd make it to the car before that thing could get to her. Reluctantly, she'd opened the front door and looked across at Jonathan's car. He was making steady progress, and it seemed as if the monster had forgotten he was even there. Jonathan stopped to roll onto his back and fumbled in his pockets, pulling out his keys. Marie could see exactly what was about to happen, but could do nothing to stop it. You're too far away still, she wanted to yell, but knew that screaming out would be suicide. Jonathan turned his head towards the doorway in which his wife stood and nodded, holding the keys up. She would never be able to drag him the rest of the way to the car. Certainly not before that creature was upon them. Marie shook her head, feeling the tears began to drop. Jonathan nodded again and pressed the button. There was a flash of orange as the car's indicator light signaled that it had been unlocked. The creature stopped pacing, turned its head to the source of the lights. Marie bolted, running as fast as she could, focusing only on the keys in Jonathan's outstretched hand. She heard panting coming from behind her, getting closer, close enough to feel the warmth of breath on the back of her neck. She lunged, scooping up the keys just as Jonathan let out a scream. Whether or not the beast was running for her or Jonathan, Marie could not tell, but his scream had undoubtedly been to get its attention. He had done that for her. Clambering into the car, she caught a glimpse in the rearview mirror, and her stomach turned. The creature's head was almost fully immersed into Jonathan's torso, devouring every organ it could find. Marie started the car, pushed the lever into drive. She paused, her husband's death hitting her with force. A new idea formed in Marie's mind, and she grabbed the lever once more, putting the car into reverse, slamming her foot to the floor. Gravel sprayed as the car careened backwards onto the lawn. There was a sickening thud as the wheels bumped over the remains of Jonathan, but she had not hit the beast. Checking each of the mirrors, she could not see the creature. Had it disappeared into the woods again, she wondered. Marie flicked on the headlights. 
illuminating the entire lawn, as though it had been a shadow, able to hide in the absence of light. The monster stood before her. It leapt at the same instant Marie accelerated with the high roof of the 4x4 caught its legs, sending it sprawling to the ground. Marie spun the car around as quickly as she could, driving into the beast before it could get back on its feet, sending it flying across the grass and onto the gravel near the front door to the cottage. Marie struck again, this time misjudging her speed. The car went over the creature with a wet, cracking sound, but Marie could not stop before the car plunged through the wall and into the living room. Ancient bricks crumbled around the vehicle as the airbags exploded into Marie's face. Dazed, she shoved at the door to free herself from the wreckage. Stepping onto the gravel, she took in the mess which lay before her. Matted fur, crushed bones, and bloody entrails littered the exterior of the cottage and Marie's first thought made her laugh. What is Kathy going to say about this? She muttered, before everything clicked into place. Kathy's secret, her grandma's suspicious death, the broken window, the marks on the grass. Certain that Jonathan's 4x4 was now a write-off, Marie headed to the kitchen to retrieve the keys to her own car and check the paperwork for Kathy's address. She has some questions to answer, Marie thought, filled with rage. The beast would not be the only one to bleed at the hands of Marie that night. <laughs>